Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My new album, White Knuckle Life, as well as my other original records, are available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Also, consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Paul Westerberg. A rock and roll band needs to be able to get under people's skin. You should be able to clear the room at the drop of a hat. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 51. Last week's gigs wrap-up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Manager Vinny confirmed with me that there was only one R in my last name for the posters going up this week. I really don't care how they spell it. I'm just so glad to have the work there at Pub 42. Love that place. Thursday, I played a solo show at Darby's in downtown Minneapolis for the canine-inspired change group. It was a little slow, but it was a lot of fun hanging out with Brittany from KQRS, Danielle from canine-inspired change, and Mark from Danucci's. Thursday evening, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at the YZ Bar and Grill, a.k.a. the Muni, in YZ, Minnesota. It was crazy busy in there. That area of Minnesota has been flooded with Ryder Cup fans. There was so much golf gear out there, I felt completely out of place wearing my Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt. Friday, I played a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota at Stone Ridge Golf Club. Folks were still glued to the TV screens watching the Ryder Cup, but I was pretty proud of myself because I squeezed in three Louis Prima songs. Saturday, due to the loss of Mr. Brian K. Johnson attending a wedding, I rocked out at JJ's Pub and Commander Bar in Breezy Point, Minnesota, solo, and it was fun. Most interesting part of the day was finding out why one of our biggest fans, Patrick, is called P. Fitz during the day and P. Fitty after dark. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, October 5th, 2016. I'll be playing a solo show at Social Cider Works in Minneapolis, Minnesota for Canine Inspired Change at 5 p.m. Later on Wednesday night, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Friday, October 7th, I'll be playing a solo show at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Saturday, Mr. Brian Keith Johnson. Brian, Ricochet, Leger, and myself will be rocking out at DN Campground in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin from 8 to 11 p.m. Guest this week is part one of two with Minnesota drum extraordinaire Ben Kaplan. We discuss the April Fools, Blackberry Way, framing drawings of Dracula, 
etc. Enjoy the conversation. Ben, you want to repeat what you just said, Mary Man? Uh, probably not. <laughs> ben just said, turning off my phone so I don't wind up in the rhinestone diplomats syndrome. Yep. Uh, classic story with our good friend Steve Wold and our old friend the rhinestone diplomats. He told us a story once where they were recording this like eight minute long song. <clears throat> And in the last chorus or something, one of the guys' phones went off and they just kept it in the recording. I think about it every time I'm at a recording session <laughs> and have too. my phone. I do too. Anyway, Mr. Ben Kaplan, welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's good to see you, Mark. Good to see you too, man. It's been forever. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Uh, we're here in St. Paul, beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota at uh, Grand, Grand Central, Central uh, Wine, Beer, Coffee Place. Um, the traffic tonight is unbelievable. What's going on? I don't know. I have been biking as much as I can because the traffic has been so horrible. It's been unbelievable. Yeah, it took me forever to get here. I had doggy class, and then I rushed here to get meet you, and, and uh, I think I, had a, I might as well just parked at my house and walked. <laughs> well, I should have walked because I only live a few blocks away. Ben played uh, drums for the, the Whiskey Roses for many, many years, and Ben has lots of stories and played with a variety of folks and thought he'd be a good guest on this week's show. Um, ben, what have you been up to lately? Well, lately, uh, I guess I don't like to say anything's my main thing because I take them all seriously, but I'm in a band that's original music uh, called The April Fools. You didn't know you were the one Dreams don't come true Put a CD out about a year and a half ago, got a lot of college radio airplay across the country, and we've been playing some gigs around town, a lot of fun, starting to record again for whatever's going to be the next release. Um, and, you know, I keep busy with other stuff. I do a lot of Mick Sterling's shows, um, still playing in along on some of Mick's things with some of our other old cohorts. Dan Neal and Lisey Wright and John Wright. Uh, so it's great to keep those connections going. Absolutely. Um, how did the April Fools start up? Who's all in the band? Okay, well, the April Fools was started... The guy who pulled the whole thing together is Brian Drake. Okay. And I've known Brian for a long time. Back in the mid-'80s, when I was running sound for the Flamin' O's... They were recording at Blackberry Way for the record label that my friend Mike Owens ran from his studio. And Brian was in another band that was on that label. The band was called Idiot Savant. And since then, he's had a few other bands. Most recently, at a group called The Hard Left. And a few years ago, I ran into Brian at a Nick Lowe concert at uh, First Avenue. And 
he said, oh, I got some new songs I'm going to record. I was going to see if you wanted to play drums on it. And I said, yeah, sure. And it was probably, it was quite a while, a year at least, before he got in touch with me. And he knew all of the guys who wound up in the band, but none of the rest of us really knew each other. Clay Williams is the lead guitar player. He also plays lap steel and pedal steel. And he and I had actually done a few gigs together, but they were one-off kind of things, and they had been quite a few years before we started doing this. So Clay didn't, until he saw me, he didn't remember that we knew each other at all. And Scott Rea, the bass player, I didn't know at all. We were all just guys who knew Brian. And he wanted to put it together more to be a recording project than anything. He thought he was going to bring in different guests on various songs. But, you know, we got together and started playing, and the vibe was really good. It was pretty obvious that we should just be a band. So we stuck together. We made the CD. First year, we really did nothing but rehearse stuff and record. We didn't do any gigs at all until we had the CD out, and then we started playing to promote it. And since then, we've played quite a bit. We had a, about five, six months or more where we played at the Schooner one Wednesday a month. Okay. Which was great fun because it's a really fun club. How long of sets are you guys playing? Well, when we played there, we had to fill the whole night. Okay. Which it, the Schooner's still a fairly short night. It was a couple hours, two and okay. a half hours worth of playing. Uh, now we're doing more things where we play one set with okay. another band. When you were playing there, what songs were you covering? What was your references or whatever? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question because the CD is, you know, we're, we're a rock and roll band. It's two guitars and bass and drums, but it's still pretty wide-ranging. And the covers that we do, I mean, it ranges from Tennessee Ernie Ford to The Replacements. Ooh, what replacement so, song? Uh, we do Can't Hardly Wait. We played, actually, one of the first gigs that we did, uh, Jim Walsh, who you, you probably know Jim, he's a writer okay. in town, and he hosts the Mad Ripple Hootenanny that's been at Harriet Brewing. Mm, actually, I think he's given it a little bit of a hiatus, but it was every, some night of the week for quite a long time. Um, he had organized kind of a replacements tribute that was also tied to being a benefit for Slim Dunlap. Okay. This was, was that a year ago that they played at Midway Stadium? It's hard for me to keep track. It was right before when the replacements did their gig at Midway. Which I think, I think it might was, have been a couple years ago now uh, that it's been yeah. torn down. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. So he put together a show where he had a bunch of different bands cover replacement songs. And he asked us to do that, so we picked out four songs, five songs, and the one that kind of, well, two of them kind of stuck that we kept playing when we played gigs, Can't Hardly Wait, and Clay has a version of um, Swingin' Party.
Which is off the Tim album. Okay. But we do it as a country waltz, which is not how the replacements did it at all. And it's, it's really pretty cool. Wow. Um, so we did that. And like I say, it ranges from replacements. We do, we cover Tom Petty. We do a little bit of Chuck Berry. We do some sort of country rock kind of standards. Ain't Living Long Like This, the Rodney Crowell song. Okay. Um, basically anything that we like <laughs> is what we play. That's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. That's when bands are fun. You just do whatever you want to do, whatever you like to do, and so you're not really worried about doing the standards, is what you're saying. Right, right. Well, what's the song you hated most on planet Earth? Let me guess. Well, well I'm trying because I played with Ben for years and years here. I think I know what it is. Was it Moni Moni? It's not one of my faves, I gotta admit. <laughs> that was the one you hated. I can't, I wouldn't, it'd be hard for me to say there's a song that's my least favorite song ever, but <laughs> that's, that's in my hope I never have to play it again list, that's for sure. Nice. Ben, you've played with or worked with countless people in the Twin Cities for years and years. Have you had any experiences with any of the replacement guys? No. I mean, I have kind of a six degrees kind of thing because I worked at Blackberry Way. My friend Mike Owens with his partner Kevin Glynn owned the studio and a lot of the earlier replacement stuff was recorded there. And Like their twin tone days? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let It Be was recorded at Blackberry Way. And most of the stuff before that was recorded there, at least bits and pieces of it. For the folks who don't know what we're talking about, what oh, is sure. Blackberry Way? Sure. Blackberry Way, um, what it wound up being was in a house in Dinkytown. The house, I believe, now I'm telling you what I think I know and not what I really know. The house was, I believe, originally owned by Paul Stark, who's the guy that started Twin Tone. Okay. And my friend Mike... This is Mike Owens, was really into recording. He, you know, he just loved the idea of it. And he actually started the studio in the basement of his parents' house. Started making, record, making recordings there. I don't know that any of it was ever released. And Paul Stark had this house. And somehow that wound up being the studio. And a lot of the Twin Tone stuff was recorded there, some... Uh, I believe some of the early Husker Du stuff was actually recorded there. Really? I know that a lot of the replacement stuff was done there, and an awful lot of stuff that came out on Twin Tone. The first Curtis A. album, um, there were a lot of one-off singles. There's a pretty well-known compilation that Twin Tone put out called Big Hits of Mid-America. That, that was all recorded there. And... Uh, I believe Mike engineered a lot of it and co-produced it. And it just became, it was one of the places that bands could afford to record that actually had decent equipment and get, could get you something good out of there. When I worked there, it was 24-track studio with 
I mean, this was before digital was common. So it was 24 track analog and they had nice microphones, really good sound in room. And they'd record anybody who paid. I did some engineering there and the stuff that I engineered, you probably would never have heard of. Um, but they continued working with, in fact, the replacements did demos there for um, the Please to Meet Me album. The second album that they yeah. did after they got signed to Sire. Um, trying to think what else I can tell you about it. That is so cool. You did mention the band Husker Du. A lot of people were talking about Twin Cities music history, uh, bring up Husker Du. And I don't know if it's quite as much of a household name as The Replacements. So if someone was going to listen to some Husker Du, what would you recommend them starting out with? <laughs> I have to be honest. I was never much of a fan. So, and, you know, I don't mind saying it. I kind of didn't get it. Um, the thing that people always told me to listen to was either Land Speed Record or New Day Rising. So how did you wind up in this Twin Cities music scene? You're originally from Baltimore, correct? Right. I'm from Baltimore, and... The details are boring. The short story is that I was in a band that was playing a lot west of here. We were playing a lot in Wyoming, Colorado, South Dakota, western South Dakota. What type of music? This was country music. And we decided that instead of driving from Maryland, because we could never fill in a route, we'd leave Maryland and we'd drive to Eau Claire, Wisconsin and play for a week. And then we'd leave Eau Claire and we'd drive to Brookings or someplace or Sioux Falls, something like that. And Turtle then we, Lake, Wisconsin. Right, yeah. And then we would, you know, we weren't hip to Turtle Lake. We could have made a stop. You know, and once we were out there, we'd start playing around. We'd play in Sioux Falls. We'd play in Brookings. We'd play in Rapid City. We'd play in Spearfish. We'd play, go into Wyoming and play in Laramie and in Cheyenne. So it made more sense, why don't we just move out? So the whole band moved out to Laramie, because it was kind of central to where we were playing, and then of course, because this is the way things work, within about three months, the band broke up. <laughs> and I continued working with the band leader as a duo, playing hotel lounges, those kind of places. See, I like that stuff. For about eight or ten months. Uh, again, around Colorado, Wyoming. And then we went our separate ways. It was all friendly. He, had, he was trying to push original music. I didn't really want to go back to Baltimore, and I was lucky to have family. My sister and brother-in-law lived in the Twin Cities. They had a house that they had recently bought. They had a spare room, and they said, well, why don't you come here? So I did. And for the first couple of years, I mean, I got in a band that was put together totally out of people answering ads in city pages, which was the way that people did it then. Um, 
and I'm happy to say that I'm still in touch. I'm still friends with most of the people who were in that band. Uh, in fact, I still play with one of them, my friend Jim Chenoweth, who's a bass player. Huh. Who, it's just one of those funny, great things that happens with music is that I didn't see Jim for probably 25 years. He had quit the band, and, you know, I think we ran into each other once. And then I was on a, on a gig with another friend, two other friends of mine, John Sagner, Cooker John, and my friend Rob Henry was playing guitar, and John couldn't get a bass player. And Rob said, well, I know lots of bass players. I got to the gig to set up, and he said, well, my friend Jim Chenoweth is playing bass. I went, Jim Chenoweth? I know him. I played with him, you know, blah, 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 years ago. It was a long time. And now I play with him fairly regularly, playing with Rob. Wow. What was the name of that original band? That band, I'd rather not say. Uh, no, that band was called Golden Rock. We were playing sort of mostly oldies. Yeah. And whatever new top 40 kind of stuff would come out that we thought we could play. And it was like a, it was a lounge band. I got to say, nothing against any of the guys who were in the band. Everybody was really good. This is not like, you know, people think of lounges as being cool. These weren't cool lounges. This was like the Ramada Inn in Minot. So I did that for a couple of years, as long as it lasted. <clears throat> and various people came and went in the band. And we were replacing the bass player. Jim had left the band and been replaced. And the guy who replaced him, had, actually, I think the guy who replaced him joined the band and quit and rejoined the band and quit. Gotta love it. But at some point along the line, when we were looking for bass players, one of the guys who answered the ad was a guy named Gary Snow. Now, Gary had been in a fairly big deal rock band in the cities, a band called Crash Street Kids. They had put an album out on Fat City Records, which was the same label that the Flamin' O's were on, locally. And Gary was, frankly, he just needed a gig. So he answered the ad, and he liked the band, so he joined the band. And he stayed in the band for uh, six months, eight months, and then he had an opportunity to join the Flamin' O's. But... This was a really important thing for me because meeting Gary kind of, it sounds so like you got to be exaggerating, but it really changed my life because through Gary, I wound up working for the Flamingos. I met Mike Owens, Terry, now Owens, who's his wife. She was Terry Bratz then, who was the other guitar player in the O's. Um... Robert Wilkinson? Robert Wilkinson. That's how I met all these guys. I wound up working at Blackberry Way a little bit. I met my friend Rob, who I wound up playing with, but who also had a day job at a picture framing shop. And when I needed a job, said, well, you should talk to my boss. So I wound up being a picture framer as a result of that. And that's been my the proverbial day job now for 30 years. 
Side note, do you remember when my grandmother found that drawing of my grandfather from World War II? And we had you frame it up museum, was it museum grade or something? Oh, yeah, I think so. So she gave it to me. So it's hanging in the basement where we used to practice right now. Oh, that's cool. But I love it. It's one of the most cherished things I have in my life is that thing that you framed up. Well, that's cool. The other thing I remember framing, not really for you, but for your mom, was a drawing that you had made because it was part of the test, I think she told me, to get into kindergarten. What? You had, oh, yeah. You had to, you know, I don't know if you were what they call an early admission. I think it's so funny here that if they say you're supposed to be five on September 1st, if your birthday is September 3rd, you have to go through tests to get in early. I know this because I have a niece who has an early September birthday and my daughter has an early September birthday. But your mother showed up for one of our gigs, the Risky Roses, and she had this drawing which looked like, it's been a few years. It was Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> yeah, Dracula. I am Dracula. And she had kept it, and she had me frame it, which I can remember doing that. Yep, that's hanging in my, my room at my folks' house. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Um, you do a great job. So you got that gig through this guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's funny because all of this stuff, all these people that I wound up meeting, in some indirect way, it all led back to me knowing Gary Snow. I could even say that I met my wife indirectly through Gary Snow because I was introduced to her by Robert Wilkinson and his then-wife, who worked with her. Wow. Um Ben, we're almost, we're already out of time for part one. Would wow. you stick around for part two? Oh, sure. Do a story behind the song segment. So yeah. I think maybe I'll play one off your new April Fool's record. Cool. Uh, what is, what do you, th what's a good one you think the audience would like? We have had a few of them played on some of the local radio stations. Well, that what's I'm trying one of those? To, um, that would be either Stereo Blue or Walking Backwards. Okay. So let's say I pick Stereo Blue. What's, is there, was there a story behind that particular song or recording session or anything like that? Well, if, if there's stories behind the songs, I really don't know them. Brian, if I know anything about what he wrote the songs about, it's because he said, told a story on stage. He just presents the songs and we learn them, we work out parts and work it all up. So I have no idea what the song is about. Um, I just know I like it. How about the recording session? The recordings, well, the recordings were all really fun because they were easy. We did, all, did the entire thing in Clay, Clay Williams, the guitar player, did all the engineering, and we did this stuff in the basement of his house. Um, a real self-contained, do-it-yourself kind of project. It was recorded there, it was mixed there, and the way that we did it all was Scott, the bass player, and I got our tracks together playing live, although in separate rooms. And then the other stuff was layered on top, the way it always is. But no click tracks, totally... No click? No click. Wow. It's all... I'm trying to think of something that won't be too cliched. I hate when people say, it's old school, you know. But it sounds or, old school. But it, it sounds like... It is. It was just 
it was a really kind of old-fashioned way to make a record. But it Which was got to be fun and refreshing. Oh yeah, and it was like I say, super easy. It wasn't a lot of laboring over drum sounds and you know let's spend all this time on this part or that part. It was all done pretty quickly. Very cool. Mr. Ben Kaplan, thanks for being on the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, the award-winning podcast that's never won any awards. All right. (laughs) Please stick around next week for part two. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you or your business are interested in sponsoring this podcast, please contact me via email at markstereamusic at gmail.com. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. Oh